from R.D. Smothers Wealth Management, this is The Retirement. When you retire, if you want an exciting life, you need a boring investment strategy. Matters. Listen, I'm not telling you you've got to work with an independent financial advisor, but if you don't, you will pay for it. Podcast. Hey, this is your host, Dale Smothers, and you're listening to the Retirement Matters Podcast. My hope is that you will find the information you need in every single show on how to do one of the three things, either saving more money more efficiently, planning better for your future where you can live in retirement worry-free, or my favorite, how you can live a happy and fulfilled life in this life you have been given. We know that your time is valuable and we appreciate you spending it listening to this episode of the Retirement Matters Podcast. On this episode of the Retirement Matters Podcast, we talk about how banks fail, why they fail, and we use the SVB failure in 2023 as an example. We talk specifically about their long-term purchases of securities, especially securities backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. Treasury Department. Many people consider those safe investments, and while they are, they're not good at hedging against liquidity risk, which is the risk for, uh, simply put, a run on the bank. If there is a run on the bank and you have a lot of money in your bank tied up in long-term securities, that bank must take a haircut on those securities. In other words, it's going to lose money. If the bank continues to lose money, it will become insolvent and not have enough money to pay back all of its depositors. This is exactly what took place, and the FDIC saw the writing on the wall. Coming in on Friday, March the 10th, 2023, shutting down the 16th largest bank in the U.S. economy. Now, this is the biggest bank failure since Washington Mutual, making it the second biggest bank failure in the history of our U.S. financial system as we know it today. This is definitely noteworthy, and some may be calling this Black Friday. I'm not here to debate whether or not it continues. I'm not here to even debate whether or not contagion sets in. And I would expect that in future episodes, we will address that as it unfolds. What I'm trying to do is make sense, heads or tails, of what actually went down, why it happened. And then we're giving our listeners a couple alternatives, one in particular, that they should be looking at if they have reached the FDIC limit or if they are just not trusting the bank system as it stands today. Something called MIGAs. We often refer to them as insurance-backed CDs rather than bank-backed CDs. They work very similarly, except they do give us a little bit more tax efficiency. I do expect that next week I will bring either a podcast or even a radio show on the alternatives that we should be looking at for banks as we see depositors taking money out and then searching for alternatives. The last thing we want is for the coffee can to come out, the shovel to be used, a hole to be dug in the backyard, and cash to be set on. I am a believer that cash, which is not working, is idle cash or lazy cash. And lazy cash will cost you money. So I would offer this to you if you're listening and you have lazy cash or you're one who perhaps isn't a big believer in the banking system. You can call our firm 270-600-PLAN to get a couple alternatives that may be a right fit for you. If this is the first time you're hearing our show, we hope that you find it both entertaining and educational. If you're a return listener, we appreciate your support. 
Either way, we would appreciate an honest review from you, a thumbs up or a thumbs down, a follow, and even a recommendation to others who you think would benefit from today's episode. We hope that you enjoy this episode of the Retirement Matters Podcast. Good morning to you. I hope you're doing well. You're ready to start discussing all things retirement matters. I have a really neat pause for positivity I'm going to jump straight into this morning, and then we are going to get to a lot of what's unfolding in the news media today that has a lot of people afraid. Banks are falling all over the place in every part of the country. We see the banking system fragile, and I'm going to bring a little bit of understanding to the situation, maybe even give you some understanding on how FDIC insurance works, and then discuss some alternatives to banks that you may not even understand at this point that you probably should be understanding if you have a large amount of money that you are saving. A lot of times people think that the only place to save money is a coffee can or the bank. And we're going to talk about some alternatives that actually could benefit you along your retirement journey, even if you are a saver. And again, provide you a little bit more of a layer of safety, maybe diversification in your safe money. So we will get to that. But before we do, I have got to tell you this really neat story that took place back at the end of February this year, and it was covered on the Today Show. I've looked up the article that was referencing that. As a matter of fact, this article came out just on the 7th of March. So just a few weeks ago, this article comes out reflecting a story that was done in February about a gentleman named Jason and another gentleman named Kevin. So I want to tell you this quick story about Jason and Kevin. This story takes place in Louisiana. And so there are there are two gentlemen who are in a grocery store. Jason is standing in line. And while standing in line, uh, he meets a gentleman behind him named Kevin. And they're standing in line. They're talking for a few minutes. Jason gets to his spot to pay. And when Jason goes to pay, his card gets declined. Jason is slightly embarrassed and explaining to the cashier that he has just deposited his check from his work, and for some reason it's not clearing the bank at this point. So he begins to move things off the conveyor belt. Well, by now, Kevin is realizing what's going on, and he tells Jason to put his stuff back on the belt and that he would pay for all of his groceries. Jason is telling this story on the Today Show, and he says, I've just met this gentleman. I don't know Kevin from Adam. I've never met this guy, Kevin. And all of a sudden, now after a two-minute conversation, he's willing to pay for my groceries. He was shocked. So Jason ends up having all of his groceries paid for by Kevin, and, and he's explaining his situation and why he can't you know, seem to make his card work. And, and Kevin says, don't worry about it, man. I've got you. You, you. you are completely okay. Don't worry about a thing. They pay for the groceries, and so they're walking out. Jason runs to his car trying to get a business card to hand it to Kevin for Kevin to be able to look him up and then say, pay him back. Right? Jason has said in this interview, I do not like owing people money. It's not in my nature. I wasn't, I wasn't raised that way. But at this point, Kevin is telling Jason, listen, I do not want you to pay me back. I bought those groceries for you. I want you to receive the blessing. Now, the article that I'm reading actually brings the story from Kevin's perspective. And Kevin tells a different story at the beginning of this grocery shopping venture that he went out on. He was talking to one of his best friends. 
and one of his best friends is a priest. And that priest was talking to him just in casual conversation. And before he signed off, just as he always does, he tells Kevin, be sure you're shining the love of Christ. Always be looking for the Holy Ghost, is what he says. And he, and he mentions it in this way. He says, have you found your ghost today, Kevin? Have you found the ghost today? Kevin says that was code for him saying, always be willing to share the Holy Ghost. Always be willing to share the love of Christ. And guys, this is on the Today Show. This is this is talking about the love of Christ on the Today Show. And that is impressive. I don't know where you lean politically, but you don't hear a lot of talk about this kind of stuff on those media outlets. Typically, the Holy Ghost is is not talked about. I'm using verbatim words that were said by Kevin's best friend before they click off of the phone with one another. Kevin says he goes about his day at the grocery store. He's picking up his things. He picks up a little bit of seafood. He picks up some groceries for the family. And on his way to check out, he meets a gentleman named Jason. Well, Jason and him begin to talk. And Kevin, again, sees this gentleman named Jason having some trouble with his card. And all that he knows to do is to say, hey, don't worry about this. I've got this bill. I'm going to pay it forward to you. And when he's done conducting this act, of kindness, he realizes that he has just shared the Holy Ghost with someone. He has just shared the love of Christ with someone. Now, this is amazing on a lot of different fronts, and this speaks positivity into your life, no matter in which area of this story you may fall. But I really want to, I want to, I want to hone in on this for the next minute or two, and I want to talk to us about all of the ways that we have the ability to impact other people. I want to ask you, in this story, have you ever been the priest? In this story, if you apply it to your own life, have you ever been Kevin? And in this story, I would imagine that we've all been Jason. We've all been in the position where we have needed someone's help. We've all been in the position where we had the opportunity to give someone help And we have all been in the position where we have been a positive influence on someone, allowing them to be looking for an opportunity to give help. You see, there are three individuals in the story, not just two. The priest in this article isn't even mentioned. He's almost a footnote, according to the editor. But when I read this article, I see that he had as much influence on Kevin as Kevin had on Jason. Now, if you're, if you're unfamiliar with the names again, I'm going to tell you, Kevin paid for Jason's groceries. So at that point, Jason has to be able to receive the blessing. Sometimes that's the hardest thing. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And we've all heard that quoted. But I think the writer could have even said it's easier to be the one giving than to be the one receiving. If our heart's not right, when we receive the love of Christ from others, sometimes we take that as an insult. Sometimes we take that as, I don't need charity. I should be the one giving charity. But the reality is we all need it and we all should share it at the moment's notice that we are able to extend it. We should be looking for ways to extend the love of Christ and also be okay receiving the love of Christ. We should all be looking forward to changing someone's life each and every day. So I want to give you a challenge. 
I want you to think about ways this week that you could be the priest. I want you to think about ways that you could just talk to your friends, to your relatives, to your neighbors in a way that you would influence them positively to then go out and change someone's life. I want you to think about ways you can be Kevin. I want you to be looking for people that you can impact on a daily basis. If you can do that this week, I think you're also going to find times where you have to humbly receive that impact from others. Because if we are unwilling to receive the gift and the love and the grace that others are extending, then it's going to make people clam up and they're going to stop extending that to us. We have to be able to, again, if you're giving from the right place, if your heart is humble enough, then you are then humble enough to receive it. And I'm going to tell you, that's hard for me. Sometimes it's hard for me to receive a handout, but I have to realize that that person was put there on purpose by the creator. At the same time, it's much, much more fulfilling inside to be able to be the one to hand out the additional money or the additional support or the additional data boy. Now, you, you've got these things that are going to present themselves to you this week If you look at it through the right spectrum, if you look at it through the right scope, I think you will see that there are always ways for us to influence and impact other people around us in a positive way. Also, be looking for this positivity to come back to you and then be in a position where you can receive it. That's our pause for positivity this week. So be looking for someone you can help, be willing to be the one that is helped And always be looking to influence someone to help others. We're going to go straight to the Silicon Valley bank shutdown. And we're going to discuss why and how that happened in layman's terms. Easy for you to understand. We're going to do that right after this break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Retirement Matters Show with Dale Smothers. Dale is the founder and president of R.D. Smothers Wealth Management, serving the residents of Kentucky and Tennessee. We specialize in building retirement plans that allow you to walk away from the worry of running out of money. We are happy that you're listening in and hope you find value in this week's episode. If you'd like to listen to past episodes and find exclusive content and full-length interviews, search for the Retirement Matters podcast on the podcast platform of your choice or visit us online at rdswealth.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our free weekly newsletter. That website again is rdswealth.com. Unfortunately, for many retirees, they're simply trading in the stress of work for the stress and worry about their financial future. At R.D. Smothers Wealth Management, our goal is to help build you a retirement plan that provides a smooth transition away from the time clock and into the time of your life. So even if you're still waiting on work retirement, we want to help you retire now from the worry of retirement funding. If you'd like to chat with a member of our team, you can do so absolutely free by calling 270-600-PLAN. That's 270-600-PLAN. Visit us online at rdswealth.com and be sure to sign up for our free weekly newsletter. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. I want to talk to you about what is going on with the banks. You know, we're right in the heart of March Madness. And March Madness, for a lot of people, is some of the funnest times of the year. 
But there's a lot of madness in the bank that's taking place as well. And in the banking system, we do not like uncertainty. In the banking system, in the financial world, uncertainty scares us. And so today, I want to bring you some information on what's going on with companies like the Silicon Valley Bank, other banks that we've heard of on either on the brink of failure or they have currently failed. There's things going on right now that are taking place. At the end of the show, I want you to have a better understanding of how this has happened, how banks actually fail, and then I want to talk to you about some alternatives. I also want to mention to you this thing called FDIC insurance. And hopefully we have time to go through some examples of how FDIC insurance works and exactly how much money you can have in a bank and still be under the FDIC insurance protection. So let's jump into why and how banks fail. And to do this, I'm going to oversimplify a few things. So if you are deep in the financial world and I say things that are somewhat Uh, simplified, and you know they're simplified, it's so that all of us are on board and we're all caught up and up to speed on how these banks are failing across the country. I also want to, again, instill not panic, not fear, but confidence in the banking system. And I, I do want us to realize that a lot of what's going on right now does not at all impact our community banks. Your community bank is safe. Please do not panic. Do not go and pull all of your money out of those banks thinking that your coffee can is a better place to save money. But by the end of the show, I do want you to realize there are many different places you can save money, not just in your bank accounts. So does it make sense for you to have other monies in other places at other times? Of course it does. Does it make sense for you to have All of your money in other places besides the bank? Probably not. The bank and the banking system provide us a great deal of support in our day-to-day activities that take place in our current digital economy that we find ourselves in. So I do not want you to fear that your bank is set to fail uh, next week or the week after. I don't expect this to be a national issue, although it has been in the past and we have seen many, many banks fail due to mismanagement. Community banks tend to be a little bit more of a safe haven than a lot of these what we would consider venture capitalist banks. And that leads us to Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley worked primarily with large tech companies. The large, overwhelming percentage of its customers were technology companies. Now, if you've been following the market lately, over the last year and a half, technology companies have not been doing very well. To understand what's going on in the banking world, you've got to understand how banks make money. Again, on a high level, you've got to know that banks make money by bringing in deposits from their customers and then lending out those deposits many times over to borrowers. They pay the depositor, an interest rate, and then they will charge the borrower a higher interest rate and profit the difference. That's a simplified understanding of exactly how banks make money. That's how these banks are considered for-profit institutions, and all banks are for-profit. Now, the credit unions that you may also bank with operate a little bit differently, but at their very heart, they are doing the exact same thing. 
If we go deep into the balance sheet, we see that they have assets in the form of deposits and liabilities in the form of loans. And what's funny is that if you think of it from the bank's perspective, they're actually borrowing from you, the saver, and then investing in things like homes, which in the forms of mortgages, or business notes, they're investing in businesses. Banks own a lot of real assets that they could collateralize if they need to. Now, let's get back to the basics. Banks take money in from us, the saver, and then lend back to some of us as a borrower. Those banks are making money. They're making their profit based off of what they give us as the saver and what they charge others as the borrower. The difference that they make in that interest is profit. So now that we know how a bank makes money, I want us to talk about this phenomenon that we've all went through called COVID-19. In the year 2019, 2020, we see the COVID virus sweep across the world, starting in China. And from there, coming to America, and essentially in 2020, shutting America down. Now, whether this was a good decision or a bad decision, I'm not here to debate. But there was something called the PPP loan that basically dumped a ton of money, trillions of dollars, into the system. Those trillions of dollars went to mom and pop companies that needed that money to stay afloat. They went to restaurants, which absolutely needed that money to stay afloat. But it also went to companies like technology companies, companies like Zoom, companies like Netflix, companies like Amazon or Apple or Google. These companies continued to prosper, although they took their employees home and essentially cut their overhead tremendously, their revenue grew. In other words, their balance sheet, the amount of money they had on their balance sheet grew as well. And when these free monies came into their bank account in the form of PPP, they had nothing to do with it except put it in the bank. And so you see a bank like Silicon Valley Bank, which works with a lot of these types of companies, start to have a very large influx of deposits. This cash is sitting on the balance sheet, and they don't know what to do with it. They can't lend it out to borrowers because there's no one wanting to borrow money at this time. So instead, they go to the government, and they give that money to the government in the form of treasury notes. Those treasury notes are long-term securities, which essentially pay a guaranteed interest rate. That guaranteed interest rate pays for the life of the security, but as interest rates begin to rise to combat inflation, which we've all lived through in the last few months, this inflation adjustment in rising interest rates has now made a lot of those securities that were purchased back in COVID, those government securities, they're now worth a whole lot less. Okay, but that's really not that big of a deal. Let's recap what's going on. The bank has brought in deposit money. It's brought in savings accounts and checking accounts. It's got a lot of cash on its books. That's a good thing. The bank then takes that money and puts it into government-backed securities in the form of treasury notes. They are guaranteed an interest payment on those hundreds of billions of dollars in cash. That also is a good thing. But then interest rates begin to rise. And as interest rates begin to rise, those government securities become worth a lot less. 
that is a bad thing. But it's not a detrimental thing, as long as there's not a run on the bank. Now, let me define that for you, simply put. A run on the bank means everyone who has money in the bank runs to the bank and demands that their money is paid back to them. I would say most banks would have trouble coming up with as much as two-thirds of the amount of cash that is supposed to be setting in their bank at any given time. For that reason, banks cannot withstand, no bank can withstand, every one of their depositors running in the same day or even probably the same week demanding that their money is returned back to them. This is what we would consider a run on the bank. Now, that doesn't happen very often because we as an American public have a lot of faith in our banking system. But for some reason, Silicon Valley Bank began to see a large amount of its depositors coming in to demand their money back. Okay, a lot of moving pieces, so I'm going to catch you up again. We have had Silicon Valley Bank, a large amount of inflow in cash, That cash is deposited into government securities. Interest rates rising means those government securities are worth less. They have a large amount of people coming to knock on their door saying, I want my money back. My business is not doing as well because it's a technology company. The stock has dropped. Silicon Valley Bank now goes to the stock market and tries to sell stock in its bank. It fails to do so. No one wants to purchase the stock. And for that reason, more depositors run to the bank. When this takes place, the depositors demanding their money back are being paid back with government securities that are worth less than what they put in. They are having to sell, Silicon Valley Bank is having to sell securities at a loss. The instant that the FDIC sees this taking place, they stop all business activity and they take over the bank. In other words, they shut the bank down. See, the depositors lost confidence in the bank and withdrew their funds, causing the bank to fail. This is what took place. This is what could easily take place in any bank. If banks do not manage their risk properly, at any given time, they would have a very, very difficult time returning all of the money back to those who have deposited into that bank. Even the largest banks in America, you know, what we would consider the big four. The big four is JP Morgan, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Citibank. Those banks would have trouble raising even two-thirds of the cash that is supposed to be in their coffers any given time because they have that money working for them. This is what banks do. And to be real frank with you, it's what you should be doing. You should be putting that money to work for yourself. But when a depositor comes in to request money, typically the bank can sell and unwind its balance sheet just a little bit and sell securities and be able to pay that depositor back. In the event that a depositor cannot be paid back for whatever reason, the FDIC insurance will step up and make that depositor whole. Now, where we have trouble with places like Citibank is that these companies were well over the $250,000 FDIC insurance limit. So, I want to tell you again, how do banks fail? Banks fail when their depositors lose faith in the banks and demand their money back. 
most banks in America would have trouble getting all of the money back to its depositors. How did Silicon Valley Bank fail particularly? It invested a lot of its cash that it had in long-term government securities. Interest rates rising made them sell those securities at a loss. The same can be said inside of your retirement account. Now, I'm not going to go into this about the show. It might be something we could do next week. But I'm telling you that if you're buying the wrong types of securities, even with guarantees wrapped around them, they could potentially not generate the amount of income you need, and you could be forced to sell those things at a loss. Do not make this mistake. If you feel like you could be, or you're concerned at all with what's going on in the banking world, give us a call, 270-600-PLAN. I know that we can help you at least understand where you are in your position. But I do want to help you know right now that the FDIC insurance in its entirety is there to help back up and give confidence to the depositor in the banking system. As a matter of fact, in 2008, when the banking system was struggling to find anyone who had confidence in the banking system of America, our Congress passed the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform Act. And this particular act, known as Dodd-Frank, made the FDIC insurance move from $100,000 worth of protection to $250,000 worth of protection. And it's what we currently operate under today. Now, the good news that we're hearing about everything going on in the banking system right now is that the federal government has said, and somewhat you know, implicitly, not explicitly, they have implied that we will see all deposited funds, even those funds over the $250,000 limit, insured by the FDIC in the most recent bank failures that we have undergone in the last couple of weeks. Now, will that continue? That's not exactly what they're saying, but they are telling us that places like Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, the depositors, not the investors, not the bondholders, the depositors will be made whole again. The FDIC insurance is meant to guarantee that you can trust and be reliant upon the banking system. This does not impact your community bank. If you remember, I had a a bank uh, regional president on our show a few months ago, and we were talking about the banking system. And we were talking about all of the regulation that has went down and everything that has changed about the, the banking system since 2008. And still to this day, I am a believer that the banking system is somewhat healthy. Now, I'm saying that based off of what I've heard, what I've seen, and what I've read in the news. Can they pull the wool over our eyes? Of course they can. But we have to have a little bit of faith in the system or else even the money that's in our coffee can is worthless. Think about it like this. If you were to put money into the bank and you were to rely on FDIC insurance, it is possible, if you are married, to have as much as $1 million worth of FDIC insurance in the bank. We can show you how, but for the sake of radio, I'm going to tell you that FDIC insurance is sometimes misunderstood to say it's only $250,000 per person at each bank. It's actually $250,000 per depositor per account registration type. In other words, 
If you're a husband and wife, you can have an individual account. Your spouse can have an individual account. And then together, you can have a joint account. And if you do the math on just those three types of accounts, you are now looking at a million dollars worth of insurance. If you have any questions on how FDIC works, give us a call, 270-600-PLAN. We can talk to you about what it is that you need to be aware of. And then the question arises a lot of times, what should we do, Dale? Should we just pull down to the FDIC limit and let everything from there be invested in cash? Well, that's an option. I'm not at all against you know, limiting your deposits to the FDIC number. I think that probably is a prudent decision. But most people have well under the FDIC insured limit in their local bank. If you are someone who does not have all of your money insured by the FDIC, again, it's $250,000 per person per account registration type, then you probably need to be looking at the alternatives to saving money. And for the sake of time, I'm going to tell you, and we may even do a show on this next week, that there are powerful alternatives to banks. When saving money, you should be considering insurance companies, which give you very similar types of returns with the very similar security level, or looking at the Treasury Department, which is giving you very similar types of returns with an even higher security level. The Treasury Department is not a bad place to park some money, nor is the insurance company. And then considering municipal bonds in the environment we have now could not only give you a substantial amount of savings and interest on that savings, but if you buy those municipal bonds correctly, they can give you income that is completely income tax free. All right, guys, that's the show. I do appreciate you tuning in each and every week. I'm running a little bit close to overtime, so I'm going to sign off by saying this. If you are interested in understanding more about why the banks are failing, if you're concerned that your bank could be failing, or if you're concerned that you do not have your money in the right place, give us a call, 270-600-PLAN. We can help you know exactly where and how your money needs to be working for you. If your money's not working, it's lazy money, and lazy money will cost you money. Put that money to work, know that it has the security wrapped around it that you desire, and let us help you build a plan and a retirement you have always imagined. 270-600-PLAN. Until we talk again, always remember to save money, plan well, and live happy in retirement. God bless. Investment advisory services made available through AE Wealth Management, LLC. AE Wealth Management and Artie Smothers Wealth Management are not affiliated companies. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This radio show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. Artie Smothers Wealth Management is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Artie Smothers Wealth Management.